New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989, and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry. Hi, folks. Oh, you're going to be a hard crowd, I can tell. Just to give you a little bit of history on myself, I um, came to the Lord, uh, made him my saviour when I was only five years old, so as a child, it's been a lifetime of growing to know him better. When I was 13, I first heard that call to full-time Christian service. I thought it would be missionary work. Uh, and then I actually studied here in the University of Ulster Coleraine many years ago, applied languages, uh, became a teacher, taught in a Market Hill High School for a couple of years, uh, French and German, and then headed out to France with Youth for Christ for a number of years. Uh, and from there, I went to Kingdom Faith Bible College in England, where I studied for two years and then worked for four, and from there to train for uh, the Church of Ireland Ministry in Dublin. I, I worked, my first church was a little church in County Cavan called Kilachandra, uh, and I was there for almost 11 years before moving to Kilkeel uh, as the rector there in 2020, just in time to shut the doors. <laughs> I got four weeks before we had to close down, but you know, God has been faithful, he's been good, uh, and it's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey following God. You know, we begin, and, and sometimes we think becoming a Christian is, is kind of all it's about, but that's only the beginning of the journey, and there's so much after that. And I would have to say, my journey, uh, I, I'm, I'm in a vastly different place now than, than where I was when I first became... Well, I was only five, so you would expect that, wouldn't you? <laughs> but it's great just growing with God and moving with God and encountering the more that God has for us. Uh, and so that's what I'm hoping, that's my passion really, is to see Christians, people who already, uh, yes, to see people become Christians, of course, but also then to see those who are Christians grow into the freedom that God has for them and grow to know him better. So I'm going to tell you a little story to begin. Uh, there was a, a christening party going on and a parents were taking this little boy to this christening party. And they warned him, they said, when you look at the baby who's just been christened, don't dare mention the fact that he hasn't got any ears. Okay, this little child has been born without ears, and don't you dare comment on it. So when he went in and he was standing there amongst all these people, and he looked at the little baby, and he didn't, he knew what he'd been told. And, and so he did look up at the mother of the baby, and he said, is his eyesight good? Can he see Okay. And the mother said, yes, that's a good job, because if he ever needed to wear glasses, he'd be stuffed. <laughs> Have you got ears? Jesus said, didn't he, several times, for him who has ears, to him who has ears, let him hear. What was he saying? You've got ears. Sir, you know, we've all got ears. Are we listening? Can we hear? Are our ears open to what God is saying? When Jesus addressed his listeners, what he was really saying is, have you a heart to hear? Are you listening? And so that's what I want to look at a little bit today. Can we hear God's voice? Can we truly encounter him through scripture? Anybody been to a seminar like this before about hearing God, about encountering God through his word? Okay, so I'm hoping that you're going to be friendly. Yeah. That you're going to, because I'm hoping that we're going to do some practical stuff that we're actually going to enter into this a little bit together if we can filter out the music in the background. I take it it won't be music the whole way through that seminar. <laughs> um, so, has anybody here heard the audible voice of God? 
If you have, amazing. I'd have to say I never have, okay? But does God speak? Let's, let's ask that question sincerely. Does God still speak today? Well, I want to lay a wee bit of a biblical grounding for that because do you remember how in the Garden of Eden when God created? Because I think for most of our theology, we can go back right to Genesis and we can find the answer to most of our questions in those first chapters of Genesis when we look at how God created the world and how he intended it to be. Uh, and if we look at that story of Adam and Eve in Genesis, what we see is they walk in the garden with God. So God's desire for his created order, for his people that he's created, his fellowship, his desire is to walk with them, but not only to walk with them, but to talk with them. He talks to Adam and Eve, doesn't he? And they hear him. Now, that has become a little bit, that got messed up, if you like, with the fall. And people find it more and more difficult to hear God because of sin and, and because that sin put a distance between us and God. But we see right at the beginning, it was always God's heart to speak to his people. Has God changed? Has his desire for a relationship with his people changed? So does God still speak today? Is God alive? Imagine somebody being alive and not speaking. And, not, uh, and so we see that God's heart there was to speak. Now, in the Old Testament, he often spoke in different, well, he spoke in different ways, didn't he? You get angels showing up to bring a message from God. And, and sometimes those very angels then seem to morph into the Lord. You'll see in the Old Testament, people are talking to the angel of God one minute and the next minute, they're calling him the Lord. Uh, and so I don't know what's going on there, but some kind of a manifestation of a heavenly being bringing messages to the people in the Old Testament. Sometimes he speaks directly. God spoke to Abraham and said, leave your father's house. There's no intermediary and there's no vision. There's just God speaking. Sometimes it's through visions and sometimes through dreams, sometimes through prophets and, and also through his written word of that day, the law. So God speaks. Yeah. And if you, if you can imagine, we, we call God our Father. Are we all agreed that God is our Father? If we've come to faith in Him through Jesus, God is our Father. Can you imagine a Father who never spoke to His children? A Father who doesn't communicate with His children? A Father who doesn't long or doesn't want for His children to encounter Him? We would say that wasn't a very good Father, wouldn't we? But God is a good father, and so of course he wants us to encounter him. Of course he wants to communicate and enter into conversation with us. But how does he do it today? How does he do it today? And some people would say, well, we've got the scripture. That's all we need. We don't need anything more. In the Anglican formulas, we, we say, formularies, we say that scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation. We don't need anything more. The, the scripture is God's final word. Yes? Well, yes, that's all true. But you know what? When I was struggling with the decision as to whether to move from Kilachandra Parish that I loved, people that I loved, to go to Kilkeel, I couldn't find a verse in the Bible that said, Ali, in February 2020, leave Kilachandra and go to Kilkeel. Do, do any of you know where that verse is? Because I couldn't find it. So 
The Bible contains all things necessary for salvation, and the Bible is, of course, our final authority, and nothing that God says will ever contradict what is in his written word, but sometimes we need to hear God's voice to us, don't we? We need to hear his voice for the now. I often think of it like this. Do you know the passage in Ephesians 6 that talks about the armor of God? Uh, and you know how it says, the belt of truth, which is the word of God? That's, that's, I, I look at that, that's the whole Bible. Okay, so we need to know the whole scope of Scripture. We, we need to know what the Bible contains. We need to know what's in the Bible. But then it also says, but we also need the sword of the Spirit, which is also the Word of God. So is that like, for me, that's like drawing the now Word of God out of the whole Scriptures, drawing the verse, drawing the passage, hearing what God's saying through the Scripture that is my now Word for this situation that I'm now facing. Have any of you ever had that experience where you've been seeking God's heart and you've been reading scripture and suddenly there's a verse that just almost lifts off the page and speaks directly into your heart and directly into your situation? Have you had that? Never forget, I was teaching in Market Hill at the time and I got up every morning uh, normally to, to have some time with the Lord before I went out to school and I, I was reading Genesis chapter 12 story that I knew well. And as I read that verse, God said to Abraham, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. I was living in my father's house. I was teaching in Market Hill, which is close to my parents' home. Uh, and that verse, I'd read it before and it had never meant anything. But on that particular morning, it came with such a, a force. There was almost like an anointing of God on that verse. And I knew this is the time. You see, God had spoken to me years before through a little song. When I say spoken, I didn't hear his voice. I didn't hear an audible voice. But he'd put it on my heart as I was at a faith mission camp in Scotland through a little song, Untold Millions Are Still Untold. Untold Millions Are Outside the Fold. Who will tell them of Jesus' love and the heavenly mansions awaiting above? And then there was the little chorus, All That I Have. All that I have, I will give Jesus all that I have. And I knew back then that one day I would go and serve the Lord in some kind of Christian context. So when I read that verse, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you, I knew this verse is speaking to me right now. Now it's been there in scripture for years and years and years. But that's what we mean when we say the, the Word of God is living and active, isn't it? That there are times when God can take a verse or a passage or a thought and use it to speak directly into our hearts, into our situations. Now, when I was praying, I always look for, when, when I feel there's a big change coming out, uh, coming up for me, I always look for several ways for God to guide me. And, and of course, one of those ways has to be Scripture. And so as God began to lead towards Kilkeel, I still had many questions. Didn't seem to make any sense to me, actually, that God would be moving me that direction. Because I had a real heart for rural Ireland and, and for people who'd never heard the gospel and, and for little churches uh, yeah, down, down who are lost um, for, for ministry and lost for fellowship and all of that. And to move me to a place like Kilkeel, to me it didn't seem to make sense. And so I was seeking God's guidance. And, and one day I was actually preparing, it was a couple of Sundays after Easter, and I was looking at that passage from, from John chapter 20 where, 
where Jesus tells his disciples to go out to fish, or no, they've gone out fishing. Remember after Jesus appears to them and, and they don't know what's happening after the resurrection and Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they join him and, and then Jesus appears. They don't catch any fish and, and Jesus appears on the shore and he says these words. And I was reading this story and he says, cast your net to the right side of the boat. And all of a sudden I had this feeling, this kind of thought that carried weight, look at the map. And I thought, I don't need to look at the map. I know where Kilkeel is. It's as far right as you can go on the map. But you know, just that cast your net to the right side of the boat. Doesn't say Ali go to Kilkeel. Yeah, but God took that verse and along with other things used it to really confirm that he was guiding and leading me in that direction. So that's what I mean when I say hearing God and encountering him through his word. If you turn with me to John chapter 10, because, you know, I think one of the big problems for us as Christians, I remember when I first went to Kingdom Faith Bible College in England and people were standing up at the front and people would get up morning by morning in our eight o'clock meeting and they would say, God said to me, uh, and I heard God and I'm like, what do you guys even mean? How did you hear God? What did that sound like? You know, and I'm like, They're all, they've all lost the plot. You know, I, I didn't quite have that experience at that time. And so I thought, what do they mean they heard God? I've never heard God. Do you know what? If you're here today and you're a Christian, you've heard God. Because you've been drawn, you've been moved by his spirit to give your life to Jesus. So therefore you already have heard God. As I've already said, it's not always a big booming voice. When that happens, it's usually something fairly big he's trying to communicate. But he speaks within our heart. He speaks through his word. Look what he says in John chapter 10. Because if you're here this morning and are like me, doubting that you can hear God, or doubting that God would want to communicate with you, then these verses are for you. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 3. The watchman opens the gate for him. This is the shepherd of the sheep. And the sheep listen to his voice. Are we any sheep today? Are we listening? His sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. See, if we are sheep, we can know the voice of God. When my phone rings and I answer it, sometimes I know immediately who's on the other end of the phone, even if I haven't seen the caller ID. If my mom or dad phone, I'm going to know their voice immediately. If a good friend phones, I will know their voice immediately, even if they phone from somebody else's phone. Has anybody ever done that to you? Use somebody else's phone and tried to fool you by putting on some kind of a different accent or voice? But when you know somebody's voice, you know their voice, don't you? But it comes from intimacy, doesn't it? You learn to know somebody's voice by listening to them a lot, by engaging with them and interacting with them a lot, and it comes to the place where you just know their voice. And that's what God's desire for us as his sheep is that we would increase our intimacy with him, that we would come to know him so well that we would just know his voice. 
that we would know, and it doesn't need to be a big loud shout, sometimes it will be, but sometimes it's just a knowing in our heart. Sometimes it's just the enlivening of a verse as we're reading the scripture, but we know that something of God is on that, and God is speaking to us and encountering us through his word. Now, I want to be very careful, and I want to say absolutely scripture is our final authority. Anything that we think we hear from God will never have the same authority on it as the written word of God. That is our final authority. And as I've already said, nothing that God speaks will ever contradict what's in the overall flow of his scripture. So we bear that in mind. So how do we go about it then? Because I want this seminar to be practically up for that. Just checking my time. Are you up for being a wee bit practical this morning or do you just want me to stand here and talk? Do you know what? When you come to seminars, half the people just, just talk. I just want to sit here and listen. Just, just spoon feed me. Don't make me do anything. Do you know how when you go to somebody's party and they go, or, or a youth thing, and they go, right, we're going to play, a, 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 what do you call it, an icebreaker game. And you're going, oh no, please don't make me get up. Please don't make me do anything. I'm just happy to sit here and listen. And I know some of you here this morning are feeling like that. Just talk at us. Don't make us do anything. Don't make us engage. But you know what? My heart for you this morning is in this seminar is not that just that you'll stand here and listen to me talk because you'll go out that door and you'll forget most of what I've said. But my heart for us here this morning is that we will really encounter God, that you will encounter your God. Okay? And that will be nothing to do with me. I don't want to get in the way of that. So will you work with me this morning? Do you want to encounter God? Because I'm going to show you. And some of you may be. I might, might be teaching granny to suck eggs here. Some of you may be well practiced in what I'm going to talk about. And it's very, very simple. Two things I want us to give a go this morning. And one is called Lectio Divina. And the other is reading with the imagination. So safe ways of encountering God or listening to God through his word. Are you up for it? Okay. Are you going to be brave? Because I'm going to need you to give me some feedback as well. Okay. Right. Well, uh, God is challenging me on this today because there's a few passages that I often use to teach this. Uh, and I'm fairly safe with um, but I believe God put a different passage on my heart last night, and it's one I've not worked with yet in this way. So we're going to be discovering together what it is God wants us to say to us this morning, okay? So this could go completely pear-shaped, especially. It won't because we trust God, but it could if we're not willing to engage with God. So, but we'll give it a go. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 12. Okay, and we're just going to read this little story. So, sometimes when we read a story, we're reading it just to find out what the story is about. Okay, uh, and, and so that's what we're doing on our first reading. We're just reading it to say, what is the story about? What's happening in the story? Who's in the story? Who are the characters in the story? Where is it happening? So, John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. 
But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Okay, all familiar with the story? Who are the characters in the story? Shout. Lazarus, Jesus, Mary and Judas and Martha and then some other Jews come in at the end. So those are the main characters in the story. The story's not a complicated one, is it? We don't need to dig deep, too deep into... Oh, you could. You could. But let's just take the story as it stands. Okay, what happens in the story? What's the main thing that happens in the story? Where's Jesus at? At a dinner. In whose house? Lazarus's house. Okay, so we've got the context. He's come to this dinner that's been given in his honor at Lazarus's house. When has this taken place? Six days before the Passover. What does that mean? Six days before Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified. This dinner has been given in his honor. What do we know about Lazarus? Jesus raised him from the dead. Can you imagine the one that raised you from, you from the dead is now coming to your house for dinner? How are you going to be feeling about that? Huh? Pretty excited. What do we know about Jesus' relationship with Mary and Martha? They're good friends, aren't they? They've often had Jesus in their house. He's often been a guest in their house. So we know that there's a close relationship there. These people love Jesus. And Jesus has, has raised Lazarus from the dead. He's allowed Mary to sit at his feet and listen to him. Martha has served him dinner on many occasions. He's going to be amongst friends, okay? And then Mary does something outrageous. She takes this about a pint. That's a lot when you think about it. Even think of a pint of perfume. But this is pure nard. And nard is, a, is like a substance that has such a strong smell that when it gets on you, it gets deep into your pores and it exudes from you an aroma, the aroma of the nard for days afterwards. And I'm told even if you did take a shower, even if you did bathe, that smell would linger. And it's expensive. We read here that it was enough to pay a year's wage. That's like, imagine, say, take 25,000 as your typical or average salary for a year. Imagine smashing a bottle of perfume worth 25,000 pounds over the feet of someone and then wiping their feet with your hair. That's what's going on here. And then, of course, we get old Judas. On one hand, you could understand what he's saying, couldn't you? You could sympathize with him. There, that's an awful waste. That's an awful waste. But that's not the way Jesus looks at it. 
because he says this has been saved. This, this is for the day of my burial. And there's something beautiful about this, that Jesus, as he goes out to be crucified, as he carries his cross, uh, that as he walks through that crowd, there's going to be this smell of nard coming from him. There's going to be this perfume, and it was the perfume of a king, the aroma of a king, even as he hung on the cross and died, this, this nard oozing from his pores and giving the aroma uh, uh, and the the significance that here is a king among us. But, but I can't help thinking about Mary. I don't know about you, but my hair. If I even give somebody a hug and they're wearing a strong perfume, my hair carries the smell of their perfume until I wash it. Or if I'm at a bonfire and the smell of the smoke gets on my hair, that smell will be on my hair until I wash it. I've got really porous hair. It absorbs smell really, really easily. But she's poured this nard on his feet and she's wiped it with her hair. What do you think her hair's going to smell like? Same as Jesus. For days, she's going to have that smell of the nard that has been on Jesus on her hair. So that's the story or the outline of the story. But now we're going to read it, and it's going to be a wee bit difficult with the background noise, but I am going to ask you to try and zone out from that noise and just really listen. Because you see, there's a place for reading Scripture in order to inform our minds. Okay, what's going on here? What's the context of this story? Who's telling it? Blah, blah, blah. All the intellectual stuff. There is definitely a place for that. We must do that. That's Bible study. But what we're going to do now is read it attentively. Read it listening. It's a different kind of reading, okay? Because now we're going to read it asking God, what do you want to say to me through this passage today? Which of these verses, which of these words do you want to speak into my heart? Okay, so I'm doing this with you. We're going to read it. I'm going to read it very slowly. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and not look at your Bible or your phone or whatever you have your Bible on. I'm simply going to ask you to listen. And what I want you to do is when a word or a sentence or a phrase really strikes you or really feels like that's where it's at, then stop. Stop listening and stay with that and simply say, God, what are you saying to me through this? Okay? So, just sit comfortably. Close your eyes. Don't worry. Nothing else is going to happen. We're just going to listen to the word of God. Lord, we pray that as we read, you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see you. Lord, give us ears to hear, to really hear what you're speaking into our heart today. So take a deep breath and just prepare to listen. Six days before the Passover. Jesus arrived at Bethany. Where Lazarus lived. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given 
in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone. Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. I'm going to ask you just to stay in that place of prayer. To keep listening. And I'm going to read it again. A little bit slower. And this time again, just stick with whatever is resonating in your heart. Ask God to speak to you through it. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived. A dinner was given in Jesus' honor. 
Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this money, this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone. Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Now can I just see how many of you feel that there is a word or a phrase or a thought that has stood out to you from that reading? Okay. Some, not all. That's okay. Can I ask you then just to sit with that now for a moment and just ask God, what is it that you're saying to me through that word, that picture, that phrase? Lord, what is it that you want to communicate to me? Maybe that's an ongoing conversation that you continue to have throughout the day. But I wonder, is anybody willing just to share? I'm not going to ask you what you think God's saying to you through it. Uh, but is there anybody willing to share the phrase or the word or the sentence or the thought that really stuck with you from that story? That God is really enlivening in your heart? And the fragrance of the perfume filled the house. The, fra the fragrance. I'll give you that. So the fragrance of the perfume filled the house. The worship and the sacrifice of Mary. Worship and sacrifice of Mary. Leave her alone. I felt that was for somebody. Just leave her alone. That God doesn't want to just raise you from the dead. He wants to come for dinner. Amen. Great. 
He doesn't just want to raise us from the dead. He wants to come for dinner. Amen. It's just uh, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Yeah, Yeah, given in Jesus' honor. Uh, The purpose of the perfume and uh, what we do for God isn't always visible. Amen. Amen. Maybe uh, to be understood um, by people <coughs> in, in the same way, <coughs> pardon me, in the same way when the, the man Bartimaeus shouted, Son of David, <coughs> Jesus stopped to listen because that was his messianic title. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever he would have been later days carrying the cross, he would have still smelt the perfume. And I suppose it's just to be, to be really understood. Mm-hmm. Maybe for she done that to anoint him for his burial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Amen. More? And then it's for you to go away and explore, okay, God, what do you want me to do with that? Well, what is that meaning? Yep, but and it's good to hear what different people are picking up. Yep. The verse where it says it was intended that she would do, do this. Martha's role was to serve, and Mary's role was prearranged and long before she mm-hmm. knew. Mm-hmm. It was intended. It wasn't a, th- a, a chance happening. It was all planned by God. More? Uh, Martha was serving and Lazarus re- was reclining. And for me, it's a case of when you're serving, you have to have those times of solitary with, with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time for both, isn't there? Um, Mary gave her very best out of her love for him. Mary gave her very best. Yep. Any more? Just very struck as you read it by the expression where Lazarus lived, where the formerly dead man lived. It was just very striking. Mm. Amen. the fragrance I was thinking of you know if you have a family member that has turned their back on God and you've maybe said stuff in the past and you get to the point where you realize you know you show the love the compassion and the worship of God and it is like a fragrance in the home Mm. and that will speak to them Mm -hmm. amen one or two more Um, he will raise you from the dead so he will save you from whatever you're going through in life amen Amen. Yeah, I was thinking about the fragrance of Jesus and how uh, she put her fragrance on Jesus. The fragrance of Jesus was also on her. And as we spend time with Jesus, his fragrance touches our hearts and lives that we can bring his fragrance to others. Mm. Amen. Now, can I ask you, was anything that anybody has shared contrary or repugnant to Scripture? No. So it's a safe way of listening to God, isn't it? It's a safe way of hearing him because we're, we're using the very thoughts of Scripture. We're using the very words of Scripture. We're just allowing God to enliven or bring to life a certain verse, a word, or thought from a story. Now, complete exposure here and vulnerability. I started just looking at this passage last night because, as I said, I wasn't planning to use this one. And I was like, okay, God, well, if you want to use this passage, then I guess there's something that you want to say to me through it too. 
And I'm a wee bit ashamed, and I know this is being recorded, and I know one of my parishioners is here. <laughs> in Kilkeel at the minute, we've got sunflower fields, uh, three sunflower fields. It was a fundraiser. We're building a new extension on the church to be a more welcoming church. Uh, uh, and, and we also decided then that we would support Newry Hospice. So we'd raise funds. Whatever we raised through the sunflower fields would be divided between the church annex and the hospice. What we hadn't decided was what the split would be whether we'd give the hospice 30%, 20%, 10%, 50-50, that hadn't been decided. Now, the sunflower fields have way surpassed our expectation in terms of how generous people have been and from where people have come to view the sunflower fields. And we, it's still going on today, but we reckon, well, as of yesterday, we had raised 26,000 pounds. And we had a meeting the night before last, before I left, to say, right, well, what, what way are we going to divide this? What's the split going to be? And so as I was reading this passage last night, I was feeling, I wonder, am I a wee bit like Judas Iscariot? Because some people on the committee were saying 50-50, clearly 50-50. And part of me was saying, well, now, hold on a wee minute. The church has worked very hard to raise this money. Maybe more like 30, 70? A third? We'll give the hospice a third? Because we need the money? And as I was reading this last night, I felt like maybe God was saying, go 50-50. Go 50-50. And trust me with the rest. And I felt like I'd almost been trying to rob the hospice by suggesting anything less than 50-50. Do you see, that's not about sunflower fields. That's not about a split of money in a church charity giving or anything. It's not. But you see how God can use it to, to convict uh, and to speak, to encourage or to correct. Uh, and so that's, I love how God uses his word to do that. We're going to be given 50-50. I've still to convince the vestry, but we will be given 50-50. <laughs> Just don't let them hear this before I convince them. <laughs> uh, but so God uses his word in this way. Now that's called, the ancient term for that is Lectio Divina. If you don't like that term, you can just call it attentive listening. Listening with an open heart. Listening not for intellectual knowledge gain, but just listening to hear the quickening of God through his word. Now the next one is the one I love most. So you ready? Because this is called reading with the imagination. Now who's scared already? Because, you know, as Christians, surely we shouldn't use our imagination. Surely we should only deal with fact. Yeah? Only what the Word of God clearly says. We shouldn't engage with our imagination because our imagination could be wrong. Our imagination could betray us and deceive us. Yeah? That's true, isn't it? Who gave you your imagination? Who's got the best imagination ever? God! Can you imagine when he was creating, can you imagine when he was creating the imagination he was using when he was creating giraffes? Oh, let's give them big tall necks. Won't that be fun? 
And, and you can think of other examples. Like, why didn't he just create one kind of flower that would give enough pollen for all the bees? Beautiful range of flowers and fruit. And, and some things that we will never understand why on earth he created that. I don't think we've worked out. I know there's some doctors here. Why did he ever create an appendix? Maybe one day we'll, we'll understand. But, you know, he's got imagination and, and, and the way he's created. And if we are made in his image, then we have an imagination too. Now, I have come across some people who've said, but I don't have any imagination. Anybody here who would say that I don't have much of an imagination? You're wrong, you know. Because if you're made in the image of your creator, then you do have an imagination. Let me show you. Close your eyes. Don't think about. Do not think about a can of Coke. Right, what have most of you just seen? What color was it? See, you have an imagination. You've been able to see, okay? So we do have an imagination, and God gave us an imagination so that we could use it to be creative like he is. If we're made in his image, then we're also creative. But also he can use what I would call a sanctified imagination to speak to us and to communicate with us. As somebody once wrote, it's not so much that you turn off your mind, it's not so much that you don't think, but you take your mind, you take your sanctified imagination, and you descend with the mind into the heart. Okay, so it's not that we're using just heart, we're descending with our mind into our heart, because as we've already heard, the heart is the place where God can move and speak, as well as in our mind. So, without any further ado, I'm going to use the same story. And this time I'm going to ask you to come with me on a journey. Again, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in a moment. But we're going to try and see the story. So I want you to see it happening. I want you to smell it. I want you to look around the room and see what's happening in the room, okay, as we go on this little journey. So close your eyes. Block out all the distractions. Think of it like you're watching a movie on the screen, only you're present in the movie. Okay, so it's six days before the Passover. Everybody's already starting to get busy to make preparations for the Passover meal. People are gathering in Jerusalem. It's an exciting time of the year. Jesus arrives in Bethany, which is close to Jerusalem. And he's going to the house where Lazarus lived. You're excited. You, you're one of the servants in Lazarus' house. And you're so excited because Jesus is coming and you're actually going to meet him. You've heard about him. You've heard about the things that, he've, that he's done. You were there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. You'd seen Lazarus lying dead. And, and you'd seen him being put in the tomb. And you'd seen him coming, walking out of the tomb. And now this Jesus was coming to have dinner. And you had a part in preparing that dinner for him because you're one of the servants in Lazarus' house. And you're so excited. This dinner is being given in Jesus' honor. You're going to do your very best to make sure that dinner is a good one. Martha serves along with you. Lazarus is reclining at the table with Jesus. You don't know which is the greater honor, to be involved in serving him or to be able to lie with him. 
the dinner's almost over. You're sitting on a bench at the far end of the room and you see Mary move. And she goes into a little side room and comes back with this pint of nard that usually sat on a shelf. And she brings it, and you can hardly believe your eyes as she pours the whole bottle, every single drop of that precious nard on Jesus' feet. Can you see it? Can you smell it? Why is Mary doing this? You haven't got much. What do you think about Mary pouring out the perfume? What's going on in your head as you watch this scene unfold? And then you see Mary untie her hair. She bends down and she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. What are you thinking as you observe? What are you feeling? Everybody else is still. It's almost like a holy moment. And then somebody breaks the holiness of the moment, and it's Judas Iscariot. What do you think of him? You've observed him amongst the other disciples. What do you, what do you think of him? He's also been eating the food that you've prepared. And he complains. How could you do this? Such a waste. This, this perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. How, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Judas? And then Jesus said, leave her alone. What's going on in your heart as Jesus speaks those words? Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. As you're sitting there, Watching the scene unfold, the, the smell of the nard pervading the air. You see the worship and the adoration on Mary's face. Even Martha has stopped at this point. Lazarus, enjoying the company of Jesus. 
you're sitting on that bench, how are you feeling? Eventually, it's time for everyone to leave and, and you remain sitting on the bench. Mary and Martha go into the kitchen. The disciples go outside with Lazarus. There's only Jesus left. He comes over and he sits down on that bench beside you. You turn around and you look into his eyes. What does he say to you? Listen carefully. What does he say to you? And what do you say to him? What does he say to you? What do you say to him? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sorry, I know that's a hard exercise to do when you've got background noise going on. But is anybody willing to share anything from that story? Did any of you feel like you could see Jesus? Not obviously just with your imagination or or enter into the story or, or hear him say anything to your heart? Anybody? It's personal. As, as I listened to the story that time, um, the, the, you were still conscious of the waste of the perfume. Mm. But Jesus then seemed to say, lighten up. <laughs> so when you encountered Jesus at the end of the story, What did you feel he was speaking into your heart or what were you saying to him? Very personal reflection. Uh, Yes, same as this gentleman thought uh, about the waste still of the perfume. And then when Jesus sat down on the bench, he said, wipe my feet with your hair. And I just responded, yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Why do we share not to show that we were super spiritual or that we encountered God, but just sometimes what we share encourages other people too? Um, The same as the others, it turns out. I remember feeling as as a servant and then Judas started speaking and I thought, you know what, he's right. You know, it's an awful lot of, you know. And then um, 
but then it turned and everybody left and then Jesus came and sat beside me and I asked him why would, why would you let her do that with her hair I mean really what was she playing at and then Jesus just turned to me full of understanding you know oh sorry I'm going to get emotional now sorry and listened to me and didn't judge and just kind of nodded and then he asked me something and I did what I'm doing now, cried. <laughs> I didn't even speak. Mm. I, just, was just feel, I just felt this overwhelming understanding that even though I didn't understand that I would, and he loved me anyway, and that was all there was to it. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus said, will you pour out your life for me? Simply. Mm. Amen. I'll not ask you what you said in return. Um, I felt that Judas presents such a a reasonable argument, um, but that doesn't make it right. Um, And that God is a God that's full of order and logic and plan, and he brought that about at the exact right time. Um, And that God's will is creative and it's wild and it's beautiful and we find it whenever it glorifies God himself. Amen. Amen. Um, When he sat beside me, I felt him say, your redemption is paid for. You've been ransomed by me. Um, And I was a bit speechless and said, but I'm not worthy. And he said, none are worthy. Um, I said, but you are. And then he embraced me with a hug. Oh, man. Oh, man. For me, Jesus was saying, come to me and sit at my feet. Um, From the point of view of Judas, I was just saying, would you go away? Because you're ruining a a very, very special moment. (laughs) Okay. We could go on, no doubt. I think we've come to the end of our time, have we? Yeah, more or less. So, you know... I hope you can see that it's just a different way of reading scripture. I mean, you could read that story and go away with all the facts and, and, and the, the who's and the when's of the story. Or you can take time, and it does take time, and actually we hadn't had enough time here to, to really, and not enough silence, to really sit with it. Um, but you can do that with any story. And just, and just say, Lord, either which verse, which word, like the Lectio Divina, is, is, is sitting with me, or let me enter into the story, Jesus, and let me in it encounter you. And let me listen to your heart through this story. And you know, God always honors that every single time if we give him the space. And it's not to take away from our need to study scripture, but it's a way to actually encounter him with our hearts and not just know him with our head, but get to really know him with our hearts through scripture. Again, anything anybody said that was unscriptural, Offensive to scripture, contrary to the word or will of God. Yeah. So, do you know, and that's, the, that's the, always the thing to remember, that when we give God our sanctified imagination, he will only bring forth what is of him. And, and we will little by little learn to recognize his voice. And we learn to encounter him more and more. So thank you for your time. I'd love to pray for you. And then if there are any quick questions. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're not an impersonal God who's far away, but that you're a God who loves to encounter us personally. You're a God who loves to come up close and personal with each and every one of your children. Lord, I thank you that you say that we are your sheep and your sheep know your voice and your sheep can encounter you. 
So, Father, I pray that you would help us to explore more and to go deeper and to take time and space to encounter you and to really meet with you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this talk. If you would like to know more about New Horizon, please visit our website at newhorizon.org.uk.